When the lights come up, you're gonna get applause, applause, applause. You've done something we can't forget. Now get ready, oh, because you know we're coming for you. We got a question or two. We wanna know all about the cool things that you do, and we will by the time we listen to applause, 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 applause. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Applause, the Guthrie Theater Talks Performing Arts. We'll be with you uh, as often as we can on Tuesdays, talking about uh, how much we love performing arts, as well as chatting with regional artists and locals who share our passion. And since COVID has closed many doors, we decided to open the doors to artists from all over the nation. And that's the beauty of this time uh, in Zoom. Artists like today's guests who offer virtual training for uh, aspiring performers. As always, we focus on theater and dance, music, and the love of movies. I'm your host, Lisa Livingston Pritchard. And I'm your host, Alex Franco-Tutin. So Lisa, I know it is February. Actually, it's almost March, but I still have my Christmas tree up. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. Yes. So I've been thinking still in that Christmas mindset and... um, You know, this past Christmas was unusually difficult for us extroverts. I, I don't think we went to one Christmas party. There was not one Christmas concert. There was no visiting the nursing homes to sing with the residents. Um, My parents even canceled our trip uh, to visit them, which I don't blame them. And one thing that my family really always loves to do at Christmas is to go caroling. And I, well, I love to do it, and I drag my boys along. Um, but, of course, we couldn't go to people's doorsteps and sing in their faces. Uh, and, you know, it really um, has me reflecting on how much music means to me. I, I just talked to um, our chamber singers, and they are not going to have a spring concert. So this is continuing. Um, and And... Music is not only an important part of my Christmas celebrations, but it's, um, you know, all of this isolation has dampened my spirits at time and putting on the right song can get me up and going. I usually turn on the soundtrack to a favorite musical like Memphis or Aida, or I will have Alexa play songs by Michael Buble or Ed Sheeran. Um, sometimes I even make my boys sing or play the piano, and that also turns my frown upside down, especially if it's a song about mothers, like Mama's Song by Joseph. <laughs> always brings a smile to my heart. But, you know, I don't know how to explain except to say that music moves me from the inside out. Um, so how about you, Lisa? What does music do for you? Well, I think anybody who knows me, knows how much I love music. I'm just one of those people who relate everything to music. I always have a song in my head, literally all the time. Um, I was thinking about what you're saying and how music influences my mood and things like that. Um, When I was a kid, a lot of times I used to uh, sing music related to my moods. Um, Like we were talking about, and you know, me as well, a big musicals fan. Uh, I would often sing songs from Broadway or Disney. I remember being young and in love, and I loved to sing, I'm in love with a wonderful guy <laughs> from South Pacific. I'd, I'd 
prance around my bedroom or I'd sing from Cinderella. So this is love. <laughs> so, I mean, it would just, my moods were so expressed through music. Um, I still get up in the morning and I go out sing outside and I will sing, oh, what a beautiful morning from Oklahoma, top of my lungs. I don't care who's around me. And um, when I had the store, I would often sing and customers would, they like, loved it, but they would laugh at me. And I was, I was cool with that. Um, I, I, I. I, I'm just always kind of singing in my head or or somewhere. When my family was younger, our relatives would call us the Von Pritchard family, like the Von Trapps. From That's the great. That's great. <laughs> um, and of course, I have a few hymns that I can sing when I'm really needing that, that um, feeding. Uh, feeds my soul, like How Great Thou Art, or my very favorite hymn was is it is well with my soul. Just oh yes, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And that can that really does transform. Um my husband and I like to do something fun at home when we're just looking for a lot of you, you know to lift your mood and to really have a great time. We do something called YouTube karaoke. So we oh. pick a band and we play their music all evening and sing along with the songs, you know, and what's fun is on YouTube it just moves from song to song. So we, we just love doing that. I think recently we've done Elton John. Oh, that's you know, <laughs> so much fun. ELO, James Taylor, guaranteed to live the spirits. So, you know, obviously music means just it's transformative. And you, you're right. It can take, you know, and even songs that, reflect some of the pain in the world it's cathartic mm-hmm. to hear the music and to see to sing the music so i'm with you on all that yeah you know that's what we're going to be doing our next family night <laughs> i'm going to oh, be youtube karaoke yes exactly well <laughs> and i, I know that... more than, i know more than once i've sung to people that the sun will come out tomorrow that's oh, oh good for you <laughs> that makes perfect sense well, Today, oh. I just want to say that there needs to be a time when the uh, the Pritchards and the Tootons need to, and well, the Francos, we'll throw them all in, yeah. um, need to do some, do some of that together. Obviously, Absolutely. we would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we <say> so ourselves. <laughs> well, today's guest is really going to lift everyone's spirit because in addition to having a professional acting career and a beautiful voice. He has made it his professional goal to keep people singing. So excited to welcome Rick Ryder to applause. Um, I've actually known Rick for quite a while. We both attended the same theater school growing up, the Columbia School for Theatrical Arts in Columbia, Maryland. Um, But he went on to pursue a successful career in the arts. Um, And when I returned as executive director of CCTA, I was privileged to meet him and hire him for some master classes. And I even had the privilege of performing on the same stage with him at a reunion or two. Mm -hmm. Um, Rick is a voice teacher and Broadway veteran who has sold out New York City's best cabarets and lent his voice to radio, television, and feature films. Hailed by Variety as a truly thrilling singer, Rick shares his craft with students across the country through institutions like NYU Tisch Catholic University and the historic Jacob's Pillow. 
For 20 years, Rick has trained up-and-comers through their Broadway and pop music careers and helped Tony Award-winning singers maintain their voices. He is also just a really great human being, and I am thrilled he could be with us today. Uh, he's squeezing us in between uh, voice lessons. So, Rick, I don't think I've ever heard your origin story. Um, what led you to a career in the arts or who or what was your inspiration? So let's start at the beginning. Uh, you know, the beginning, whenever I would do press, uh, well, first, hello, everyone. <laughs> hey, Rick. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm really, really glad to be here. Um, thanks for reaching out, Alex. Um, whenever I whenever I do press, I, I always say that my career started at uh, St. John's Episcopal Church in Ellicott City, Maryland. Um, it's the first place that I ever sang. And um, so that was the first place I was really ever reacted to. And, you know, I was, oh my gosh, I don't know, like fourth grade or something like that. And, yeah. um, you know, so I was a little boy soprano and I just, you know, I just remember getting reacted to in a positive way uh, with my singing. Uh, you know, that would be the first time that um, <clears throat> there was something notable uh, about it, I guess. I wore my parents down and got them to buy me a piano uh, which they gave to me for my birthday. And uh, the first play I ever did was in Northfield Elementary School, also in Ellicott City. Oh, yeah. um, I, it was a production of the a production, quote unquote, a production <laughs> of <laughs> uh, the tortoise and the hare in which I was both the tortoise and the hare. Um, <laughs> in a, in a reversible costume made, my, made, my, made by my... Um, my mother with great ingenuity and uh, a singer, sewing machine. And uh, so that's where it started. And um, as Alex knows, we come from an area where the arts are really well supported and uh, it's an affluent community. So there, uh, a lot of money gets put into them and a lot of time and effort uh, into the school system and then thus into the community. So I branched out, you know, into community theater and, um, uh, you know, Columbia, Ellicott City, which is in Howard County, Maryland, which is between Baltimore and D.C., which were really big theater towns as well. Um, and which actually in Baltimore really goes back to, you know, the Yiddish traditions in, in theater. Um, <clears throat> I got involved in theater there first, um, you know, out of my own community. Uh, and then Toby Ornstein... Uh, was brought in by James Rouse, who founded the city of Columbia, Maryland, and was very pro-arts. And she started the school that Alex referred to, that we both went to when we were both kids. Um, and then Toby turned out to be quite the entrepreneur. And she, I started to make my own money as an actor when I was about 11, uh, prior to meeting Toby. And then she founded a uh, group um, of 16 or so singer dancers um, and created review style shows that uh, got picked up by a, um, a production company that had an office in Washington, DC and began to book us into the big convention rooms and big convention hotels of Washington and Baltimore. And, and it caught fire in other ways and it became a job. And I bought my first two cars actually with my you know money that I I made from this group. It was called the Young Columbians, as in the city of Columbia that I've referenced. And uh, I went to 
school, I did commercials and I did like local TV because there was a lot of that in Baltimore and Washington, more so in Washington. And did, did I hear- you guys get to perform in Disney and at the White House? Yes, I joined the group uh, shortly after. Actually, uh, we were rehearsing a new review because the the existing one which was you know a review of uh, like a, a a patriotic review uh, you know about the history of america you know it was about like 30 40 minutes long that had just played the white house um they had just played uh, the white house at a state dinner for the carter administration and we were simultaneously rehearsing a new show because the first one had played basically the convention circuit over the previous two years or so in washington and um, and so we were rehearsing a new one. So I didn't actually do those two, the, but that group, the Young Columbians, did do those. Uh, then we had summer runs in dinner theater settings before Toby owned her own dinner theater, um, which was actually her foray into owning the dinner theater that she uh, that she purchased in Columbia, which used to be called the Garland Dinner Theater. And then she named it for herself uh, when she bought it in 1979. Um, I went to college there. And I went to college uh, in Maryland and I studied voice. And from there, um, I graduated and I I worked on cruise ships. I worked in theme parks and then eventually made my way to New York. Um, so I didn't go straight from college to New York, which was a great uh, move for me to not do that. Um, I probably wouldn't, I probably intrinsically knew that I wasn't really ready and I got a lot of experience before I got there. And when I got there, uh, it doesn't usually go like this, but among my first auditions was what we call a workshop, which is like the embryonic stages of a show, of my first Broadway show. And so I began to work on Broadway right away when I, when I got to New York. And uh, Now, yeah. I know that your mother was a huge support. Yes. Uh, from the very beginning. Both my parents. I mean, my parents facilitated. My parents were not actors. They were not musicians. They, they were not in show business at all. Were they, they really... shocked when that voice came out of you? Well, you know, I kind, I do sort of remember. It's funny, you know. Uh, I remember my father more, I suppose, than my mother's reaction. You know, my my mother's maybe was like more of that typical. You know, anything that I did was good. <laughs> I resemble that remark. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Look, Rick has built the best Lego castle you've ever seen. <laughs> it's funny that you picked that. I was a big Lego kid. Oh my God. I had like all, all kinds of different things going in my room um, out of, made out of Lego. Uh, yeah. And then my father was you know, kind of like shocked and surprised. Uh, that's what I kind of remember. You know my uh, my childhood memories, and so my parents were really supportive. Yeah, you know, like I wore them down with the piano for my birthday. They gave me a brand new piano, and it went well the first year. And when I the next birthday, that was eleven. When I was twelve, my parents gave me a grand. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, well, which was you know really something. I mean, I think they also wanted a nice piece of furniture in the living room, <laughs> but uh, but it's the piano that I. It's in my apartment in New York. It's a piano that I teach from. Um, you know, I've had it all these years, one of those lifetime uh, things. So did I answer that question? Yeah. Um, you said my mother was a huge support. Yes. My, uh, and my mom just kind of took to the theater maybe a little bit more than my dad did. She liked being involved in it herself. And she was kind of like you, Alex, um, you know, with, uh, I mean, you, you got involved in it for yourself, but once you had kids, 
you know, you were really there, you know, very much on their behalf, would you say? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's how my mom was. You know, yeah, she yeah. she dug it. She really she liked the whole atmosphere. She liked the whole thing. So she she volunteered and she was a part of it. Oh, that's uh, wonderful. When she when she could be. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, interesting. You know, when you talk about yeah, the first time you really performed, you performed in church. I think a lot of us have that same experience, one way or the other. I've shared that my first experience was in the fellowship hall uh, basement. Uh, on top of a table when I was 18 months old. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, it is, it, okay. you get that, you get that when you have a, when you have an audience and yeah. a lot of times it is in, in church, but anyway, um, it's just so exciting to get to hear your experiences. Um, one of the questions I like to ask our performers is, um, what excite what you, you since you've had such an exciting exciting and varied career as an artist? What have been some of your favorite roles and experiences? Um, I certainly, I mean, you know, probably I mean, you like have one everything from voiceovers to Broadway. So yeah, tell right. us, tell us. Well, what the the, the quickest time. money I ever made was was singing. Uh, was being a singing voice in the Disney animated feature of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. <gasps> Um, you know, like, like work for, for like, I don't know, an hour and I, I'm still getting paid. And that was 1995. Um, and, uh, I, one of the highlights of my life was sailing around the world on the SS Rotterdam as a singer and an actor, uh, literally, you know, circumnavigated the globe in 108 days. That was pretty thrilling. Wow. Um, uh, you know, landing in New York when I did was a, was a really good move for me. And I worked on Broadway right away and I worked on Broadway on and off for about 20 some years. Um, I, I mostly doing roles. And so I guess one of my favorites would be blood brothers, um, where Carol King singer songwriter, Carol King played my mother. Um, wow. Yeah. And people, I mean, you know, certainly she's iconic, but this Broadway show, you know, thrust her and her own career, her just a kind of a reviving of her own career. Yeah. Thrust her back into the spotlight in the last decade or so um, <clears throat> for a whole new generation to know who, who she is. Um, you know, touring with James Taylor. They've, they've been doing that for quite some time and touring on her own. And then this Broadway show called Beautiful was her store, her life story. Um, but prior to that, she actually did a Broadway show and she played my mother. We played opposite one another. Gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, that was pretty thrilling. Uh, I did Grease with every 80s, 90s celebrity you could possibly imagine <laughs> on Broadway. And I toured the nation with that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, your favorite to work with? Who was my favorite to work with? Oh my goodness. Um, Oh, who's my favorite? Oh, that's such a legitimate question. And it's sort of like, which kid is your favorite? Yeah, that's, um, that's so unfair. <laughs> it's, it's also like, what's your favorite show? Well, for various reasons, there are different ones, you know. Um, yes. What's one, one memorable one? Um, one memorable show or one memorable actor that I worked with? Either, yeah, one memorable actor. Um, you know, Helen Reddy replaced oh, <laughs> Carol King as my mother. And... Um, yeah, and she just passed away recently. She did. Um, sadly. My dad played Carol King and Helen Reddy all the time. Right. 
I mean, we're, we're really dating ourselves here, but so <laughs> for the Although, kids, you know, my son, Anderson, who's, you know, 13 was listening to, um, you got a friend, you've got a friend. What is that song? Anyway, it was a Carol King song. And he's like, mom, have you heard this song before? And I said, oh yes, I have heard this song. He's like, but have you heard this singer? <laughs> I was watching some great. Christmas special the other night and Sean Mendez, pop singer Sean Mendez, um, was do you know who do either of you know who he is? Uh, yes, absolutely. Oh, you do? Okay, because yeah. you have kids. You otherwise yeah. probably wouldn't know who he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was not as familiar with him. Um, but anyway, he's quite talented. And he's saying, you're just too good to be true. Can't take uh-huh. my eyes off of you. And he, he prefaced it by saying, um, he goes, I found the song. Well, actually, my sister turned me on to it. Um, uh, you know, I hope you guys like it. And it was like, uh, yeah, Frankie Valley, pretty, you know, pretty iconic, you know, an iconic song, Sean. One of my favorite questions to ask all of our performers um, and, you know, we're really missing these live performances right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, I, I've watched a ton of the musicals on TV, but it's just not the same as being there. Right. Because of the bloopers. So do you have <laughs> any bloopers that you can tell us about? Um, well, yeah, I'll reference Blood Brothers again. So brief, I hope I can tell this succinctly. Um does that make sense? Blood Brothers uh, is about um, a a woman who is a domestic. She's she's a housekeeper, and she has like five kids already. And she gives birth to twins, and she doesn't think she can afford to keep both. And so she ends up giving one to one of her employers, uh, a, you know, a well-to-do posh woman um, oh. in in London. And they live, you know, no, no, it all takes, they, they live in Liverpool. So like a suburb, like a wealthy sort of country suburb near Liverpool. And so I played the brother that got given away. And, um, and so the woman who was playing my mother, um, Mrs. Lyons, um, my name was Eddie Lyons, and my mother's name was Mrs. Lyons. The the act the actress that played that role also understudied the Carol King role, which was the role the star of the show, the role of the of the domestic who gave away one of her twins. And so she, the the show what it's basically about is that these the the kids the twins find each other in a in a play yard you know, like in a, in a park somewhere when they're seven and the mothers get wind of it and keep them to try to keep them apart. Cause they have no idea their brother, let alone brothers, let alone twins. So the show turns out to be sort of about that and, and this conflict um, so that, you know, the kids don't find out that they're actually brothers and twins. And um, so the woman who was playing my mother went on for Carol King and I called her by the wrong name, which <laughs> gave away the entire plot twist. Oh, no. So about seven minutes into the show, I I I, I called her I I called her Mrs. L- Mrs. Lyons, which just completely undid the plot. I mean, the curtain could have fallen, then everybody could have gone home because I, I ended the show. So, um, and bloopers usually, you know, uh, indicate funny. That wasn't funny at all right. <laughs> to anyone. 
Oh, that's terrible. But yes, it was I, terrible. I think it's funny now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to live through it. <laughs> I think all of us have done things on stage. I've lost clothing on stage. and it, Oh, God. Inadvertently. <laughs> While you were on that table? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I'm sure I did. <laughs> well, you never know what happens in a fellowship hall. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, this is just so much fun, Rick. How uh, you are currently living in New York City? Can you ah, share? That's with, right. Yeah, with some of how the art, how's the arts community doing right now? Well, you know, not so good. Um, yeah. What's you know, the feeling? How are people coping? Um, you know, variously. Uh, uh, there, you know, there's little. You know, you've seen on television what little there is to see. You know, like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. You know, some shows. Uh, you know, came back together for a number or two. There was a special on last week. Uh, I think probably a lot of theater lo- people watched it. I forgot what the name of it was, but it was, yeah. it, sh- it, you know, it was hosted by Tina Fey. Um, yeah. um, you know, who- it's currently showing, by the way, on um, Hulu. Oh, great. It's a great special. But, you know, that's nothing, you know, the entire industry is shut down and, you know, it's, it is crippling, continues to cripple more and more, you know, as days go by, uh, the theater industry and everything related to it, you know, which is, uh, multi, 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 multi billion dollar interest industry in New York city. And, um, you know, I guess people are people are coping either finding other work. A lot of people have moved out of the city, either temp, you know, thinking it's temporary, maybe they won't come back. So it may be, um, cause some people to, who were on the fence about moving to actually make the move. Um, and, uh, you know, it's changed. It's, it's changing and it's going to change and it will have changed a lot of lives. Um, yeah. And then, you know, New York is the land of opportunity. So when things begin to open back up, um, I used to scoff at people talking, referring to the new normal. I was like, oh, there's no new normal. I'm talking about months ago. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's a little yeah. open back up and, you know, it's, it will it'll take a while to revive, but there is going to be a new, new normal. This is coronavirus has changed us. And, uh, and that kind of remains to be seen how it's going to, to, to continue and, you know, affect and change the theater. I really, you know, your guess is as good as mine. Okay. Um, Cause no one has, you know, no one's coming out with a plan right now. No one's got a plan. Yeah. Nobody does. No one's, if, if there is, I haven't read about it. Well, you already had a plan in place because I can personally attest to your gifts as a voice teacher and a mentor. Mm. Uh, you know, just because someone can sing doesn't mean they can teach singing, but you can. You can do both. Um, I think all four of my boys have worked with you at mm-hmm. one point or another to e- either help them find and prepare audition pieces or to help them prepare for performances. Um, you helped Jace with his Mancini auditions, um, help him get comfortable, find the right song. And then you have helped him to reach high notes that he never thought possible. <laughs> In a way that was both healthy and sustainable. Oh, that's um, great. And and the best part was that even though we moved from Maryland through modern technology, you continue to help them um, and, and you're able to help singers all over the world. Uh, so I want you to share with our audience your philosophy, technique, training, anything about, about your um, career as a voice teacher. 
So that was, you know, my career as a voice teacher was, was almost, not almost, it was, it was kind of a dare. I was doing a concert with uh, uh, an actress whose name is Alex Corey. I mean, she was most recently seen on Broadway in uh, this last revival of Fiddler on the Roof. She was Yenta, uh, matchmaker, matchmaker. And um, she was the vice chair of the musical theater department at NYU. And the studio was called Collaborative Artist Project 21. And she asked me if I wanted to be a voice teacher. And I said, no, (laughs) I don't. Thank you. Um, And anyway, she it came up again. And so I went in and I gave it a go and they asked me to teach, to substitute teach in the classroom. And that's what really took fire. That's really what caught fire for me in the beginning was, was teaching in the classroom. And then over time, I began to coach those kids that I was teaching at NYU because I could play the piano. And then I realized, you know, and then they were asked that, you know, they needed technique. And while I could do it, I couldn't really teach it at first. And so it has been a 20 year progression of learning how to teach voice. And, um, I uh, and I continue to study that. I, I study what it is I do. I study uh, the teaching of voice. Vocal pedagogy um, is like the big umbrella term for it. I study it scientifically. I study it physiologically, anatomically. Um, I have mentors and teachers in the field who specifically just mentor teachers um, and teach, you know, technique. And then over the years, I've just sort of taken what I've what I've, I've taken what works and what makes sense and kind of boiled it down into what it is I, the way that I work. And that's still evolving um, because new things are learned um, and you, there's always something to learn about it. It's a, it's a living, breathing thing, teaching someone how to sing. And, um, you know, and my students teach me a lot. And so I basically take the voice that I have to, to answer your question quite specifically is that I just, someone who's, whoever I'm working with, their vo- I have learned to understand what it is I'm seeing and what, is, what it is I'm hearing. And I, their voice tells me what it needs. Right. Okay. And now I kind of know what that is from years of experience, listening to hundreds of voices and dealing with hun- you know, hundreds and hundreds of voices uh, and hundreds and hundreds of throats, as we say, in in the biz we usually just refer to it as a throat um or the voice like it's a separate entity um and uh that's a little shop lingo um i um what were we gonna ask i was gonna say i think some people sometimes people think you're just born born with this incredible voice or you're not And I think to some extent that is true. You know, some people definitely come with better ears or whatever, but there is a lot that training can do. Uh, You taught Jordan Andre. I did. So he was a student at CCTA and Mm -hmm. my sons perform with him in some shows and you worked with him. um, And I mean, I, I, I don't know if you are the one to give the credit to, but you did amazing things with his voice. You know, he, Mm. he, gone and on to be cast in dirty dancing and beautiful. And, um, but you know, I, I think, uh, people sometimes think that they're stuck with the voice they're born with. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're born with it or you're not. And, and some, you know, people, there, there are 
there are very, f- there are few people out there, but they exist who, you know, who, who don't really study and their voices are just basically set up naturally in a very healthy, workable, sustainable way. There are those voices. Um, you know, the, the, and most people, certainly if they ended up do, end up doing it for a living, go through some training. And so it's basically taking the instrument and teaching someone how to use it in a way that works and a way that is sustainable and a way that's healthy. Um, and uh, Jordan, I taught uh, when he was in, mostly when he was in high school and then he went to University of Michigan uh, as well. <clears throat> Wasn't his only teacher by a long shot. Um, very talented guy. And so, um, uh, did, I mean, does that answer your, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just want people to know that you can, um, just like you can learn techniques in art, let's say. Yes. A better artist. You can I, learn techniques in voice that make you a better singer. Correct. Yes. I mean, it's, and, and that's what I, that's what I study is the, the, is vocal function. How does the voice function? And that's technique, vocal technique. How does it function and how I get, how can I help you to make it function um, <clears throat> at its highest level? Um, clean and uh, clear and sustainable and, and something that, you know, feels and sounds good. One um, thing that you really helped my boys, and I don't know if there are young men listeners, um, but uh, when they're, when your voice changes, sometimes you're, it's like you've been handed this whole new instrument. Well, cause you, you do. To- <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happens. It's cruel. Yeah. Um, horrible. And the thing is, it's like, that's, um, you know, my, my experience, there's, there's my study as a, as a, as a teacher. And then there's my experience and my, you know, they're, they're equal. Maybe, maybe my experience even more like 60, 40. I know it exactly what that's like. Cause I went through it and I sang through it and I had a teacher who helped me through it. Um, and there, there are things to do and things not to do while a voice is changing. And, um, it's, uh, it's a precarious time for a voice. And if someone say, and I worked through mine, I, you know, I was kind of like working. Um, and I had a very good voice teacher uh, <clears throat> that helped me through that. Um, and that's one of my favorite things to do because I've been there. Yeah. Um, and women's voices change too. It's, and I don't work any differently yeah. with them. Girls' voices change as well. Yeah. Um, it just isn't as uh, noticeable. Um, it would be to me, you know, I have a discerning ear. You know, I can hear, you can hear a girl's voice crack, you know, when she's a young teenager. Um, it happens. Yeah. And, and their voices really change too, from just, you know, from being like the girl soprano to where it's, wherever it's going to go, wherever it's going to land, wherever it's headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's different, um, you know, than what it was before or the voice before, you know, puberty. So yeah, girls change, girls' voices change too. It's just a crueler fate for boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I thought sounded like a great idea, and I think to some degree we can relate to this because of our podcast, but we hear you have a new thing going on, hint, a blog. Yeah. So, you know, when my, when COVID hit, you know, when Broadway shut down, I had had a site built earlier this year and it launched the week that Broadway shut down. Oh, and it was a very, it was a comparative compared to the one you've seen. It was uh, very modest. It was a small, it was, a, it was an online calling card. That's all I wanted. 
I didn't want to have an, I didn't need an online presence. All my business is, is word of mouth and referral. Uh, but I just thought, you know, being the professional that I am, I should probably have, you know, uh, just an online calling card. So a little, you know, a site. So uh, it became, and my student body went from, you know, dropped by about 90% over the weekend. Yeah. Over that weekend, because my students were largely working actors who now had nothing. And um, so we thought that was going to last for a few weeks. Well, here we are. Um, so something I had, you know, I had to, I had to adapt. I had to change. I had to, you know, look elsewhere for students and how also could I, you know, participate in the recovery of this. So the blog was kind of born out of that. And so right now it's not necessarily COVID centric, but it's hopeful. It's about sort of like what's going on, people's experience, people's experiences, um, all ages. I've got guest bloggers, you know, contributing. I'm doing interviews with people in the industry. And um, it's, it's, it's meant to entertain, inform, uplift, and just basically enjoy. And then my new teaching studio website is attached to it. Oh, great. Yeah, I just Which is I called, love, it's it's okay. called writervoiceworks.com. Uh, R Y D E R voiceworks, writervoiceworks all one word.com. And it's attached. Okay. So if you if you if you click on I don't I don't know actually I mean, it's it's quite clear. You can vacillate between rickrider.com, which is the blog, or writervoiceworks.com, which is my studio teaching site. And Fantastic. we will we will add that to yeah. our Facebook page so People who are interested in that will be able to to get right to you. Great. Yeah. And I, I have to tell you, you have to check out this website or this uh, blog because how you present all the information on your blog, it is very entertaining. It's very creative. Um, the one page says craft smarts preservation, learn how to become the real triple threats. Um, and you refer to singers as athletes. Um, yes. So I was going to ask you what, what you meant by that. Well, it's really, it should be called voice training. And if you see in the site, that's what we're really calling me is a voice trainer because that's what it is. The voice is muscles and ligaments, just like an athlete's body. You're training muscles and ligaments. Sure. And so it's the same with the voice. And um, there's there's a lot of um, research going on right now because a thing sort of called COVID voice is quite real. It's the underuse now, people who are just not speaking because they're working from home and their jobs don't require a lot of talking. So they're not out in the world talking. There's the underuse of the voice. And then there's like almost like zoom voice. It's because it, it's akin to talking into a telephone, which is pretty abusive on a voice, um, which we've always known. And so there's the overuse of the voice. And and that's just in our current circumstances. There's the underuse and mostly the overuse of the voice in the business when people are doing eight show weeks and pop singers are doing tours and things like that. So it's really about training yourself as an athlete because you use your entire body to sing, not just the muscles and ligaments in your throat, but the muscles and ligaments everywhere matter when you're so singing. You, you talk about how you do vocal voice training, career coaching, and vocal rehabilitation. Correct. Um, so, uh, you know, I've noticed that I FaceTime a lot, especially with my parents who don't hear very well. And I find myself being exhausted after a phone call because I'm yelling into the FaceTime. Right. Um, I assume that's what you, you refer to as vocal rehabilitation 
Um, but also let us let our listeners know what you mean by career coaching. Um, if you look at that page, it's really, I, I've kept it kind of simple. And I really tell the story in, in the career coaching. Um, if it's the, I base it, the, the context for the, for the coaching page is, is really through my own experience. Um, and it's, are you, once you've completed college or you decide to, when is the right time to come to New York? Uh-huh. whether or not you've gone to college and what other opportunities are out there for you that can help you prepare um, for, for coming to New York. And if that's not an option for you, if you just need to get yourself to New York for whatever your reasons and, and that's, that's cool. What do you do? What's, what are the first things that you do? Um, oh, and I kind of great. lay that out. Um, so it's really geared toward um the 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 younger person but the thing is i career coach across the spectrum because i am of a certain age and i've been doing this for a long time so i people come to me as as actors come to me as students who are going through transitions in their career you know they're going from like one type to another and they're in between types or we call it in the cracks you know like they're not booking the roles they used to because now they're not 25 anymore right right. um that happens differently for men than it does for women and then you know uh, the material maybe your you know audition material needs to change i do all that kind of coaching as well um and just the general just the general support coaching that um you know is is necessary to the working actor yeah well, Lisa, you can't see Rick and our audience. You can't see him because this is a podcast, but he doesn't age. <laughs> oh, that's nice. He still looks like he's in his 20s. <laughs> right. Well, I'm Someone's exaggerating. I I'm so glad I can't see him, so I don't have to be as jealous as, as but, I um, be. <laughs> You know, I, I mentioned this before, and I want people to know what a kind and compassionate person you are. Um, oh, that's nice. So, Thank you. Uh, Rick sponsored a scholarship in his mom's name for students at CCTA. And um, every year he would come to final performance. Yes. And present this award. Um, So I have to have have him share one last story. I know we're, we're out of time, out of time, but um, one year we had him speaking and he mentioned that he had just seen the show. I may have some, uh, some details wrong, but he, and he predicted that this, this show would take the world by storm. And he um, was so okay. right. So okay. <laughs> I don't know if that if I predicted. I um I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember talking about it, Alex. Um I had I teach you mentioned it actually um in, in my bio. I teach at this uh I've taught at this place called Jacob's Pillow, which is an international dance an, an historic international dance festival and they have a school. And um they they had a musical theater program and I worked there for about eight or nine seasons teaching the dancers to sing. It turned in kind in into like it was a dance program, a, a musical theater dance program that turned into a full-on musical theater program. So there was a lot of singing. So I was there to teach the singers, um, the dancers how to sing and uh and to to do acting classes and and so they have guest choreographers. And uh, Andy Blankenbuehler, who won the Tony Award for choreographing Hamilton and also for In the Heights, he and I shared a cabin. It's a, it's a wooded setting in the Berkshire Mountains. It's quite beautiful. And, and Andy and I were sharing a cabin. And Andy and I know each other from our acting days because he was an actor as well. 
Um, and so he, we did this two summers in a row together, sharing the cabin. And the first year he like had headphones on and, you know, I could tell he was working. And I'm just like, oh, what you're working on? And he's like, well, this thing about Hamilton. I'm like, oh, right. He's on the 10, right? And, um, and he's like, yeah. And so he was setting some of that choreography on the students there. But I didn't know what, we didn't know what Hamilton was. And then the next the the next summer when we came back it had started to to workshop and so you know it was turning into you know it, it, it the word wasn't you know really out yet but um it was you know it, it appeared that it was going to turn into something that's what i may have have said alex that you remember um but basically i mean my my joke was you know like being you know they the song in the room where it happens yeah i was i was i was in i was in the cabin where it was happening um, with with, you know andy as he was uh you know um creating some of this choreo and then setting it on the dancers uh as he was creating it uh at jacob's pillow i absolutely love it and i i know we've used so much of your time but one quick question that everybody has to answer and it I'm sure you've got it off the top of your head. Since this is a Guthrie Theater production or our podcast, mm-hmm. um, what's your favorite movie? Oh, Ordinary People. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is a, I forget about that movie, but it is a powerful movie. Yes, yeah. emotionally mm-hmm. traumatizing. <laughs> no, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Oh my God. Makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am so excited for you. And I highly recommend everyone check out your blog. And uh, thank you again. I miss seeing you in person, but I will look forward to the end of this pandemic and another CCTA reunion and hearing uh, that beautiful voice and just being in, in your beautiful presence. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so nice, Alex. That's so sweet. I'm so glad to do this. Anytime, anything I can do for you. Well, thank you for sharing your passion and your excitement. It helps. It just helps lift us all. It really does. Thanks for doing this, Lisa. It's great. This is a great thing that you're doing, that Uh both of you are doing. All right. Take Take care. care. Bye, guys. Bye. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Hey, we hope you enjoyed Applause, the Guthrie Theater Talks Performing Arts Podcast. Let us know what you think. Be sure to find us on Facebook at Applause, the Guthrie Theater Talks Performing Arts, and Instagram, uh, Applause the Podcast. Um, I just want to also uh, encourage you to share this with your friends because we want to grow our audience. There's a lot of people who would love to hear this, and uh, we're excited to bring these ideas and these great guests that we have um, to as much of the community as we can. Um, okay. Also, you can check out our Facebook page for information about our podcast guest, what's going on at the theater, Guthrie Theater in Grove City. And if you're interested, you can rent the Guthrie Theater for your upcoming event. Ta-da! I personally do that. Um, I uh, host a once-a-month um club it's called the guthrie movie club and we watch old movies so if that's the kind of thing that inspires you make sure you contact them uh at bill at veritasarts.org i was gonna say i just brought my church youth group we went and saw wonder woman and had a wonderful experience um and i know our dance studio is having their final performance um, end of the year performance at the Guthrie. So it is available for all sorts of activities. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I even know people who have gotten married at the theater 
it's a really cool venue for that. So really, it's just is it's as broad as your imagination. So mm-hmm. lots, and it's actually very it's it's a very reasonable evening as well. So yeah, consider renting the theater. It's good for the theater. It's good for you. And boys, it, it's just it's just lots of fun. And let me tell you, if you think that watching a movie at home is the same thing as watching it on that big screen, uh, we need to talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, Those it's, layback chairs. Ooh. So nice. Well, I know we we just love seeing all these great movies the way they were meant to be watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Special thanks to Major Morgan for creating and performing our original theme song. And as part of our commitment to local talent, we're excited to introduce you to this fantastic regional band. And you can learn more about them at Major Morgan on Facebook. And if you would like to email us, we can be reached at lisa at veritasarts.org. And don't forget to to get involved in the arts. Reach out to some of these great guests. Um, You can um, improve your skills or just be involved from from your own living room. Um, In these dark times, we need the joy and beauty of the arts more than ever. So whether as a spectator or performer, remember, your applause keeps us alive. See you next time. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Okay. Okay. Okay.